to my big brother George, the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, It's a Wonderful Life. I was walking down the street, down the street, down the street. A pretty little girl I chanced to meet. We danced by the light of the moon. Buffalo gals, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight, come out tonight. Buffalo gals, won't you come out tonight? We'll dance by... Hold on, Ben, let's hear it. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome for the final time in this accursed year of 2020 to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the podcast in which I, your co-host Rick Barrasso, and I, your co-host Derek Smith, we are going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which one is the greatest movie of all time. How are you doing today, Derek? Excellent, and we're almost close to reaching not even... Point one percent of all the movies of all time. Yeah, but I still I still think it's a good thing. Yeah, we're at point zero 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 one percent of movies ever made. Yep. So we're getting there slowly but surely. We've seen some good ones. We've seen we, some good ones. We have seen some good ones. We've thus far been able to avoid the bad ones, in my opinion. And it's been good. We've been starting to get more listeners. And we, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. And uh, we hope you enjoy. So before we get going. On this week's episode, let's talk about last time. Uh, last time on the show, we took a deep dive back into our childhood, and we talked about Home Alone, and I really enjoyed it. I think uh, people are liking that episode, but uh, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. You don't have to do it in order. Just pick up movies you like. Like I said, our whole back catalog is movies that we enjoy. And give us your feedback on any of those movies. The Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter, and you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. And actually what I'd like to, to hear from, especially I've noticed, I've been looking, we've gotten a few international listeners. If you're listening from outside of the United States, we'd love to get some recommendations from you from movies from your country or anywhere else. So love to hear from you guys there, but that's yeah. last week. And that's uh, stuff we've done in the past. Let's talk about this week. Uh, we are going to talk about, just an all-time great holiday movie, in my opinion. Just a film classic. It's Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful yes. Life was released in 1946, but it didn't actually – it was one of those ones similar to what we talked about in our Shawshank uh, episode. I think we even mentioned It's a Wonderful Life on that one. Is It was just shown on TV so much at Christmas that it eventually caught on. Yes. But it wasn't super well received. It did get a few Oscar nominations, but it didn't it wasn't considered just an absolute classic like it is now. But over time it's it's achieved that status. Uh, it stars James Stewart as George Bailey, Donna Reed as Mary Bailey, and Lionel Barrymore as Mr. Potter. It's got an eight point nine on the Internet Movie Database, ninety-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is an eighty-nine on Metacritic. Derek, am I right in remembering that you said this is the first time that you saw this movie? You are correct. I've never had a chance to sit down and watch this movie. I mean, I've had plenty of chances. Let's not sure. let's, let's be honest about it. But I, uh, I just always avoided it. I don't know why. I mean, it's tough for, you know, I, I do like older movies and, and everything. And, um, but it's just sometimes it's hard to just sit through one uh, when you're not really in the mood for one. So it, it's kind of difficult there. But I, I, I tried three times to watch this movie over the last week. Every time I tried, something got in the way. I had to shut it off. So uh, this weekend, I sat down. I said, Gia, we're watching this movie. She goes, okay, we'll sit down. We'll shut the lights off. We watched it all the way through. 
and it was my first time and it was her first time. Yep. And uh, yeah, we, we had a, a brief conversation about it and, and that was my first time. I am I am looking forward to see uh, see what you think of that because it is one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I it was I'm trying to think of when I first saw it. It was not not as like a young child, but I think I was a teenager when I when I first saw it, and I didn't like it as a teenager, just because it's like it is so like it's a very sentimental movie and it's very earnest uh, with with what it's doing certainly. So I, as a like cynical teenager, I didn't especially appreciate that, but I watched it again. I mean, you were you were pretty cynical. Yeah, yeah, but in my twenties, I kind of that kind of mellowed out, and uh, I watched it. And I, I it has like I said become one of my favorites here. So, right. yeah, now comes the point in the show where, you know, where I explain what actually happens in the movie. And we'd love for you to watch along with us. And I'm 100% positive this movie is going to be on TV on multiple channels during the Christmas season. So check it out. Just look somewhere and you'll find it. It's like finding a Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts. Just keep changing the channel till you find one. You'll get there. But we want to make sure you are caught up in case you haven't seen it. So Derek, I'm going to ask you to put 30 seconds on the clock so I can explain what happens in It's a Wonderful Life. Give me a three, two, one, go. All right. Three, two, one, go. George Bailey, a man on the brink of suicide on Christmas Day, is shown how the events of his life affected the people in the town around him by his guardian angel. We see him save his brother's life, save his boss from accidentally murdering a child, fall in love, and help house most of his town via the building and loan the business he owns. His reprobate uncle loses a bunch of money due to an interference from an evil businessman, Mr. Potter. In the end, George finds out that even though he didn't achieve all of his goals, the connections he made through his life made him rich in friends and love. All right, 29 seconds. Oh, I timed it pretty well. Okay, so now we've talked about what happens in the movie. And uh, again, hope you check it out there yourself. I really enjoy it. We're going to find out what Derek thought. But let's talk about what we liked. And uh, we're going to rank our top three favorite scenes in the movie. So Derek, what's your third favorite scene in It's Wonderful Life? All right, so my third favorite scene in the movie um, would have to be... I'm just taking a look at my notes here. So it's the scene on the way home from the the party that they're at at the school. Um, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Donna Reed, they're heading back. And uh, I just think their chemistry is so funny in the scene. Yes. You know, the whole, it's funny. I remember watching Bruce Almighty and I remember Jennifer Aniston's character watching TV and she's watching the scene where he's like, you want me to pull the moon down for you? Oh yeah. I should, I should mention as well. They watch this movie in home alone. That's yes, this. Yes. Yeah, this is the movie they're watching in in, uh, yeah, in in Paris. In French, yeah, it's in French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and also Chevy Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation, and which is I think I'll, we'll talk about it later. But I feel like that movie was a lot, you know, based on you know they they took a lot from Wonderful Life for Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, that scene it was the, the chemistry is fantastic. It's funny, um, and that was one thing that I love about this movie is actually it wasn't one of those like movies I look back on and go, yeah, it was, it was cute, funny. I actually yeah. legitimately laughed out loud with a lot of stuff. This movie is secretly extremely horny. Like, did, <laughs> yeah. you, did you catch that part where it's towards the beginning of the movie? It's, we just are meeting adult George for the, uh, for the first time. And he walks out and he goes to, to, to uh, Bert and Ernie, Bert the cop and Ernie the cab yep. driver. And you see um, Violet walking by. Yep. And Bert is just like, I'm gonna go see what my wife is doing. So he's yeah, just like yeah, he's just yeah. like so horned up. He's like, I gotta go bang my wife immediately. 
Right, right. Yeah, so ridiculous. Um, yeah. So funny, too. But yeah, this, this scene specifically when she's like in the bush naked and he has the clothes. And it just, they play off each other so well um, that I just, the scene, I actually watched this scene twice because I tried watching the movie two times before I actually saw the whole thing. So I kept yeah. seeing the scene over and over again. And I think that's why I appreciated it so much. But that's yeah. my number three. Yeah. And it's, it's, I had that as my number three as well. And it, there's just so much stuff happening in that scene. Like you oh. said, there's the chemistry between the two actors. There's the super famous speech where you, know, you want me to lasso the moon for you? I'll, I'll get you the moon. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it really is, you know, they, they're throwing rocks, which is the house they'd eventually move into when they get married. And yep. yeah, it really is great with, you know, showing George telling her, I'm going to good, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And it's, it's great characterization. I really love that scene. So we'll yep. move on to our number two, and number one. I just want to say at the beginning, the margin between my one and two is so razor thin that either mm-hmm. it could have been it could have gone either way for me. But let's let's go with you. What is your uh, what's your number two scene? So the, these kind of flip flopped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's a tie for my second. I don't know if that's a cop out or anything. I use okay. the word cop out every episode. Yeah. Sorry, but um, so I would say this was kind of a tie. I really like the scene where he just kind of flips out at home, and uh, yeah. he's mad at his kids for no, you know, for no. He's mad at his. He's just mad at the world, and he's just take. It's a very real scene. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I don't care about this stuff. I'm thinking about other stuff. And he just, he ends up like leaving and everything. And it's, uh, it's a powerful scene. And I kind of feel for him. You, I think yeah. everybody kind of feels for him at this point. Like he didn't mean what he said. He's just in a really dark yeah. space. Because it's um, like, not like, only because yeah. let's, let's cover uncle Billy, that piece of shit, uncle Billy, who is the, so George, if, if you don't know, George has inherited this company, the building and loan from his father. And they only allowed him to take it over. To, he only took it over just to keep it opening. They are the only business in town that gives fair loans and fair mortgages to the, the townspeople. Right. You know, and, and you know, Mr. Potter is just a who's the villain of the movie is just an absolute like slumlord. But Uncle Billy, this fucking piece of garbage, it, it, like t- is. Making, taking a deposit to the bank and like loses it because he's a moron and uh, i mean but but why is he such a piece of shit to you he's just so he's too dumb to live i mean like, yeah I, watch okay. the movie again and like he just completely fucks everything up he's like so forgetful he has to like tie string around his fingers and he forgets why he's tied the string against his fingers like, right, like he just right. forgets what he's trying to remember and he like he almost causes George to kill himself. Right, right. That's right. True. But anyway, he's so that happens that day. And and to set this scene up that, that you're talking about, George is going home and his like his beautiful wife is there, like his wife, like Donna Reed, like a classic Hollywood beauty. And he's yeah. got all these kids. Oh, yeah. And just it's that and just like he's been so ambitious throughout his life and just none of those ambitions have come to fruition. Right, it's, yeah. It's all coming to a head on this night. It's coming, to, it's coming to a head, and that scene is tied with this other scene. I couldn't make up my mind specifically, but um, I do love the scene, and this is tied with that, is um, when he jumps in and just saves some random guy's life when he was about to commit suicide. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was like, he, he, he's done it before with his brother, but that's his brother. But then he goes and jumps in and saves some random guy's life yeah. because he's a self, I think, I think in, you know, in general, He's a selfless person. He always has yes. been. 
but you know, I guess, you know, and I, I think we've all felt in our lives at the, the time where we're like, you know, we, we've just had enough of our lives, like nothing just going our yeah. way. Everyone has those really dark days, but yeah. even in those dark days, you find yourself still wanting to help somebody else. And he doesn't even hesitate. Um, he doesn't hesitate. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that scene right there, just that moment of him jumping in, like not really, he's not even hesitating. You know, I guess the only downside to the scene later is that like, I get why the angel did it because it made, he did it on purpose so he wouldn't commit suicide. But yeah. I didn't like the fact that the angel had to like spell it out for us. I kind of already knew that. Well, I think he he spelled out for George. Yeah, I just, well, I know, but but as the viewer, I was like, yeah, I know, you don't have to spell it out for me. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I will, I will say there's, there was an inciting incident to me where I, the first time I I gave the movie a shot, it was uh, the, the AFI did a, a list of their top movie heroes and top movie villains. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is when we were in high school. uh, And George and Mr. Potter ranked extremely high on both lists. And I was thinking like, oh, you know, as a teenage boy, I was like, oh, it's going to be Batman and Superman and, you know, name your action movie star. It's going to be Aragorn or it's going to be whoever. And I was like, who are these people from this old movie that are on this list? And future guest Chris Bonapane was like, wait, not only should they be on the list, they should be higher. And Mm. I was like, okay, I got to give this movie a shot. Right. But, any, but anyway, my number two is the scene with the when there's the run on the building and loan, mm-hmm. and it is the it is the same thing. So George and Mary have just gotten married, and on their way home from the wedding, they see this huge there's a run on the bank, and George goes to the building and loan. They're on their way to take off for their honeymoon, and this is going to be George's first chance to travel, and he takes his own and basically what happened is mr potter has bought the bank and he's closed the bank for you know an, uh, some period of time yep. so the people who have their money in the bank can't get access to it Correct. so they're going to get their money out from the building and loan and mr potter's trying to basically it's a big power play he wants everyone to sell their shares in the building and loan at a you know at a, at a cheaper price and potter's going to buy them all and shut them down he's it's vulture capitalism. It's, and that's why Mr. Potter is such a great villain is because this kind of thing, not this exact type of thing because of just difference in time, but this sort of thing happens all the time. It's, it's weird because if you look at the politics of the people who made this movie, the director, you know, the actors in it, they're all like lifelong Republicans. And yeah, not, (laughs) not the Republican party of today, but the Republican party of, of years ago. And this movie is a the politics of this movie are almost socialist right it's this institution is like everyone pools their money together so everyone's quality of life goes up and right what what george ends up doing and i think it's truly and again here's another great fucking uncle billy moment where he just panics and shuts the doors and he, like <laughs> he if George like was 15, 20 minutes earlier, he would have just drove by and not known anything was wrong and they would have shut down and the town would have been fucking Pottersville by the time he got back from his honeymoon. Right, right. That's true. Good point. Yeah. So the right place, the right time. Yeah. So George and Mary give this their own savings that they're gonna take to go on this incredible honeymoon that they've described. They're gonna go to you know here and there and they're gonna see the world together. And they float this town 
until the bank reopens. And let me give a special shout out to this one miserable piece of shit, Tom, who like, everyone's like, how much can you, you know, how much can you do with for, yeah, I forget exactly how much money. I think they have like $2,000 or whatever it is. Mm. They're like splitting up between basically the whole town. And this guy's like, I want all my money. I want $212.34, whatever it is. And everyone else is like cutting their, uh, you know, I guess I can do, you know, $10. I guess I can do this much just to get me through, just to get me through until the bank reopens. But I think it's, it's again, similar to what you were saying before. It's, it's, they do, George and Mary for that matter, do not hesitate to sacrifice something that, you know, they have saved and they have worked for to, Mm -hmm. to help other people. And it's actually, I feel like it's not an overtly Christmassy movie. Despite the fact that it takes place in Christmas, what's that? I'm glad you said that because I, yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Like I, after the movie, I was like, I didn't feel so Christmassy about this one. But I would say, I mean, it takes place. The, the, most of the movie takes place on Christmas, or a big portion of it takes place on Christmas. And I would say this is ideally what Christmas is about. You know, this yeah. this this is what the season is. It's sacrificing something that's important to you. That's genuinely important. We've seen George from when he was a child. You know, we're kind of going through his life and seeing what's leading to his suicide attempt. And this is all he's ever wanted is to go exploring from when he was a boy. And he just yep. gives it up to help the people around him. And that's, to me, that's, that's what the season's all about. But uh, Derek, what's your, uh, what's your number one? You know, it, it could be, it could be, you know, said that, that maybe that's one of the most important things in general in life yeah. is to, to sacrifice and do those things. So Christmas definitely brings that up. But uh, I think, you know, I, I uh, yeah, you're right about that for sure. Um, so I had a runner-up. Uh, uh, I had a fourth place that I want to bring up real quick. Yeah. And I won't talk about it too much. And it's almost made the list, yeah. but it's the scene where uh, after his father passes and he's back in the boardroom and he really just gives, he really just puts Lays his into father's it. shoe in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, it's so good. And I just, I, I just love it. It's so genuine. It's so sincere. Like he's like, I'm about the people and you're a piece of shit. And it's just beautiful because it's like almost one of those things where you, you know, I mean, we've all worked for corporate places. Yeah. How much have you wanted to say that? How much have you wanted? Yeah, yeah. How much did you want to go into the Oval Office in the last four years and and say something to that? Like, it's just, it's that, that piece of shit in power. And like. The only other person besides Jimmy Stewart I can, I can congratulate would be like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. Jimmy Stewart was the stone, stone cold Jimmy Stewart walks in, stomps a mud hole. There's, there's an SNL skit because Potter, there, there is a deleted scene where Clarence has a um, like little scene with Potter where he's just like basically implies that like you're going to die alone and just like pieces out, but it got cut from the movie. But there's a mm-hmm. famous SNL skit where Dana Carvey is playing George and like he gets all the money. And then Uncle, like whoever's playing Uncle Billy, shows up, and it's just like, I remember what happened to the money. Potter stole it, and they're like, "Let's go kick his ass!" And it's just <laughs> like they're beating the shit out of Potter. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, yeah I, you... I, I love that. I love that scene, and uh, it's definitely runner up for me. But um, I would say that my favorite scene from this movie, uh, it, it's it's obvious. It's just the it's yeah. just the ending sequence with yeah. the money. Everybody, you know, it, you know, it, it's funny that scene specifically. I was thinking about that in real life because for a second my brain went, "Well, it's a fantasy. Is that really going to happen in real life?" And I said, "Well, wait a minute. You know, people do a lot of things online on social media. It's Facebook. They do GoFundMe's, and people come in 
it's, and they do their part to help these people it's, out. It's a real thing. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's my number one as well. And I won't get into it too much, but, you know, a few years ago, as I'm sure you remember, I had a situation where I needed to go fund me. And the event that caused that was close to Christmas. Yep. So, you know, it was the end of October. Uh, and I watched this less than two months later and I got to this scene and I wept. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I, you know, I, cause I had, ex- I had just experienced the same thing, the same charity and generosity from the people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I like when, you know, his brother comes in and they're all toasting him and it's just everyone from the movie is just coming in and doing their part and doing their part. And it's just like, oh, it's like, I get this so much more now. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, I was like, I was like, does this this really happen? And I'm like, yeah, it does really happen. Maybe not as like, you know, the the timing of the movie is like everyone's just there uh, that moment right when he needs them you know what I mean but yeah. it does happen and I think I think the people that you care about or you you want them to care about you they're the ones who come out of the woodwork and and realize what you've done for them all you know all these years and uh, it's it's a great scene I it's funny this is my favorite scene in the entire movie but it also has my least favorite line in the entire movie as well. Was it? Is it the kid? The you know, I teacher says. I cannot get yeah. over her her inflection in that, and I was I was I was absolutely not looking forward to her saying that. But other than that, great scene, my favorite. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, like I said, that's my that's my number one as well, and it's just so simple because everyone is so happy to help this guy, and yeah, you, know, you have Sam Wainwright, who is a, a character we haven't mentioned, who's like basically living the life that George wanted to live. Yep. And he's like, I'm willing to give this guy everything. Cause he just, cause, cause George like doesn't really help him at all, but he's like, he's just such a good guy. I'm going to give him anything he needs. And you know, his brother who has won the national, you know, the medal of honor for his saving people in world war two. And it, he's like, comes back and he's like, I left Washington immediately when I heard you needed me and just everyone. And you see throughout the movie, uh, like Martini, the bartender, and or the the bar owner, and you see, yep. like he shows up, and you see, you know, just everyone, everyone come. Mr. Gower, who's the, uh, you know, his old boss, they're just they're just so generous to him because he's been so generous, and it's 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 such a positive example of karma in movies, and I just I just love it. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the all time classic scenes and movies and you know well i'm not weeping every year that i watch it anymore um you know it still gets me a little misty sometimes but definitely yeah but i I love this movie it sounds like you enjoyed it as well and i'm I'm happy about that Um, i did i did i liked the movie a lot i was um like i said before i was really surprised by its um by its humor especially like because i knew it was going to be a drama and i knew it was going to be dramatic but their comedy was was funnier than i thought it was going to be and so it was a good blend of both yeah. Uh, I will say that I will say this, and I, I, I think it's going to be taboo. And I, I also apologize that this was not the right way to watch it. But I had my choice of watching it in black and white and in color, and I did watch choose to watch it in color. I did do that because I thought yeah. it would it would drag it would draw me in a little bit more, and I did it on purpose. So I don't know if it was the right I way, have, but I, I definitely enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I have a I have the Blu-ray. It's got black and white in color. I've not watched it in color yet. 
Uh, okay. so that's, that's I might do it. I might do it. Yeah, because we're we're still uh, recording this a couple of weeks away from Christmas, so I might do it before then just to just to check it out and see what it see yep. what it's like. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a black and white purist sometimes. Yeah. So unfortunately, though, uh, with the light does does come the dark, and with the good comes the bad. Let's talk about our least favorite aspect of the film. Derek, I, we might have the same thing here. What uh, what do you have? Well, I don't know if we are. Um, and okay. it, it took me a while to figure this out um, because uh, I didn't know I didn't know if I disliked it or not. But I realized that I, I kind of I didn't have a choice. I, I think I didn't really like the I, I, I liked it. I liked it. It worked in the movie. But I I wish they had gone a different direction than the whole Dickens thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was like, again, this story's been told in the Scrooge movies and stories so often. This might have been the first time it's been done since Dickens, if I'm correct. I think Dickens was, that was written, The Christmas Carol was written before this. When you say Dickens, the aspect of like the, 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 the angels? Yeah, like the Christmas Carol story. Like it, it definitely, like I'm assuming Charles Dickens it's, wrote the story before the movie came out. It's, oh yeah, oh yeah. That would be like a hundred years before the movie came out. Yeah, so for me, it's like, I well, just think that like, yeah, it, 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 I, you know, it's one of those things where like, if you read the synopsis of the movie, it's like, you know, an angel tells this guy that he's his life. What would his yeah. life be like if it was? But that doesn't happen for like the last twenty minutes of the movie. It really so is. It's is like the t- most. It's 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 yeah. one of the most referenced movies of all time, and they only reference that part where it's just like whenever you know it's the Simpsons or whoever, and it's like right. You, so what I'm, would I'm life be head, like if you weren't in it? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So the first hour and forty five minutes of the movie is not referenced, and only the last the portion yeah. is, and it's like. And so I, I kind of thought that, like, you know, a movie is just more than that. But uh, it's almost it, when, you know. when you say that it is almost like a reverse Christmas Carol, because Christmas Carol is so much like, let me show you how you've messed up and like how that's going right. to affect you and get on a different path. And this is very much like we're going to show you how good you've been. We're going to show you positive aspects of how you've affected people and why you should stay on the same path and why you should not you know, end things. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I had specifically the, the first scene and how it was depicted. Yeah, and, right, right. You know, and it, when it's, it's just like a static shot of like star systems and it's like angels talking and they're flashing lights. And it's unfortunate be, that that's the first scene in the movie because it's so unlike everything else in the movie. Yep. And it just doesn't, it's not cohesive. I almost wish there was a way that you you weren't sure at first whether or not Clarence was an angel. But we that scene is is like we've seen him, he's in the sky, he's an angel. This is very straightforward. Right. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I think these are, are yeah, the movie itself I I think is great. And for me it's very minor. Uh quibble. But you know, we've we've, we've talked about that. Now let's give out some awards. And we do this every week in the form of a bronze, silver, and gold medal to the individuals who impacted, benefited from, or were any way integral to this movie. Derek, where's your bronze medal going? I'm giving it to Donna Reed. Um, yep. she's a she's freaking beautiful, man. She's so good. Um, yeah. She she's be- she's great. Everything she does in the movie is great. I just love her. Uh, I don't know. I just see every time she's on screen, it's like a pleasure. It's like, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm in Shawshank Redemption and I'm watching an, a movie for the first time or whatever. And I see yeah. her come in and I'm like, Oh, I've waiting for Donna Reed all day. Um, she's a beauty. It's funny. I, I think she's more attractive than Violet. Um, 
Violet seems like she'd be a lot more fun to hang out with for me, but uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, but I just, I, you know, she's supposed to be like the beautiful one in town, and I'm like, hell yeah. no. Like, I think uh, I don't think she, way more yeah. I don't think she's necessarily the beautiful one in town, but she's the one that like she, she's uh, she's hanging out with all the guys. Right, <laughs> uh, right, Violet. right. But I, yeah, here, here's the one. Th- here, yeah, yeah, here's the one other thing that I'm gonna take issue with <laughs> in the you know what would life be like without you know without George Donna Reed is an old maid like nobody's gonna marry donna reed right it's, it's <laughs> you know what i thought of i thought of like maybe because like you know how like you know when, when they say people are in love they kind of sparkle you know like like you can tell if somebody's in love or in a great mood because they look great like they just look good yeah uh, maybe that was what they were going for was like maybe she's not in love so she looks like trash <laughs> i i also i'm also gonna say like oh like the worst thing that could happen to her was she's not married she's an <laughs> She's a she's an unmarried well, woman in her thirties. I think part of a big part of her life was she's always been in love with him, even as a yeah. little girl. Like so, I think that like carried her through life, and she didn't have that special thing. So maybe that's why she was kind of dingy. So I mean that could be, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my bronze. Uh, I'm gonna give that to Lionel Barrymore, who plays Mr. Potter, mm-hmm. and he's such an evil trash person. Like I don't know how else to put it. He is everything you hate in a human just like glommed on to like a personality he's the type like, of guy where like no matter what you say that's sincere and beautiful and wonderful he'll just be like ah hogwash bullshit yeah like bullshit like, i don't care like how much he's tempting if you, if you notice that the scene where like in on, on every scene in his you know in his office he has like a skull on his desk like a little skull like he's mm-hmm. the devil and he's like literally trying to tempt George with like, I'm going to give you business trips. And there's no reason he is, he has, they tell him how many times he has more money than God. There's no reason that he should want to put this little building and loan out of business other than he's just greasy piece of trash. Like he's, right, right. you know, he's just that evil. And, you know, maybe one of the weaknesses of the movie is, yeah, you know, he doesn't really get comeuppance for his crimes but i i would take issue with that because you you know that he is going to die miserable and alone right even the people that work for him even the people that work for him are telling him like one day i'm going to be working for george bailey that the way he does business is sustainable and you are just a parasite and Mm -hmm. he's just like i have to put an end to this guy but he's so good the actor is so good at being evil and right, right. you know he's he's so like he just revels in it and he's it's so true to life like you know not as cartoonish but you know we've all met people like this oh for sure yeah who do you have for my your silver, silver yeah my silver goes to director frank capra mm-hmm. um i think he did a great job with uh making the movie uh, he making the movie so likable to the point where, you know, it, it, it's sort of hard to put in a lot of elements into a movie that make you laugh, that make you cry, that make you care, that makes you yeah. all these different emotions. And he does that really well in this movie. And he, uh, I liked all the different elements of the movie. Um, you know, m- maybe the thing in the sky was kind of goofy, but maybe he thought it was necessary. I mean, obviously he yeah. thought it was necessary, but I think he did a great job. I heard his name before Frank Capra and I was like, Oh, he, he sounds yeah. like a, I knew he was a famous director. I didn't know what he directed, but this answered my question. Yeah, he, he directed uh, that. But, he directed Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He has a, he has a few big hits. He's he's my mm-hmm. silver medal winner as well, and mm-hmm. you know he's you you hear things described as Capra esque because 
he is so genuine and earnest with how he tells his stories. And this is, I think, the best example of that, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's one of the, like, the great directors of the first half of the 20th century. And he's described this movie. This is, I mean, was not received well when it first came out, which we, we talked about before. It was a flop. And he lived to, to see it become just an all-time classic. And he said it was his favorite movie that he ever made. And he's made a ton of them. Right. So, you know, it just, it's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a brilliant filmmaker and definitely deserves to medal here. I'd be surprised if we had anybody, we had a difference for gold, but uh, Derek, uh, who, who do you have for gold? Uh, I'm actually, so my gold uh, actually goes to uh, the character who plays, the actor who plays Mr. Gower. Uh, no, really? I'm yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Jimmy Stewart takes the gold. I mean, come on. It, yeah. yeah. There's, there's not a lot of actors out there that could, that could put that, what he put into that movie. You know, he, he's, yeah. he's funny. He's, he's dramatic. He's, he's, uh, he's a jack of all trades in this movie. I think maybe, I mean, we'll talk about this later about who could, who, who could have played this part, but I think, yeah, he, uh, I have, it, I think it struggled. Everyone says, and yeah, I don't want to step in your toes here, but everyone says that like the only one, the only actor who's comparable to Jimmy Stewart is, you know, and, and it was Tom Hanks. And he's probably a little too old to play the role at this point. But if maybe you get the, uh, the Irishman de-aging technology, I, I can say that. I didn't pick him, but um, yeah. He, th- I mean, yeah, it, to me, it's this, this is academic. He's, he's the best everyman actor that we've ever had playing the greatest everyman role that we've ever had. And it's, it's probably his most famous role at this point or one of them. Yep. And mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about him a lot more as the podcast goes on, and you know, not just this episode, but other episodes. Like he's on a great Hitchcock movies, but to me, he's he's always going to be George Bailey. On that note, uh, now is the point in the podcast that uh, we look to see what we would do if we were to recast this movie. And you know, this being an older movie, I went the direction of casting it with actors from today, and I did George, Mary, and Potter. So, did you do the same three, or did you have anybody else, or? Um, I, the only one I really did was, uh, I, I, I did a Jimmy Stewart. I, I, okay. I replaced him with one other actor of the time. Of the time. Okay. So let's, let's do you for it. Who, who did you, who did you pick of the time? Okay. So I would say, uh, I, I think Harry Grant could have pulled this off as well. I've seen him in, uh, quite a few things because of my wife, Gia, she's a big Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant fan. Yeah. Um, and Cary Grant is uh, another guy who can play funny really well. He can play goofy, but he can also be serious and dramatic as well. So I think that yeah. he he's might a be great comparable actor. to Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I see him in this because I think he's too handsome. Okay. I, I think he's, I think he's like, he'd be too, it, it'd be tough to see him as like an everyman character, but I would, I would All like right. to see it. Okay. I'd like to see his take on it. I really would. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what you have to say for modern-day actors. Yeah, so I, I did struggle with George. Like I said, ideally, if – we'll do George last, but I struggled with him. Ideally, if we could do like the – if we could perfect that Irishman de-aging technology, I think Tom Hanks could do it. But I don't think we're there yet, so I, I did today. So let's start with Potter. And with Potter, I was thinking, like, who can play a character this despicable and – menacing just sitting in a chair menacing and we'd have to do some old age makeup i think at least for part of it but i went with vincent d'onofrio okay that's an interesting one yeah interesting it's funny i i uh, just to jump in i would actually i was thinking as you were saying this modern day i don't know why but i think that uh i, I mean I, you haven't seen succession yet but um i would for me i think that brian cox could kill this role as well. oh yeah i'm sure he could he could, he could that's, a, that's a good shout that's a good shout because even without yeah. without seeing that 
you know, the other stuff I, I've seen him in, he'd be he'd be excellent as well. Yeah, he could play a really nasty jerk in movies. <laughs> yeah. So Mary is another a, sort of a tough one for me because of the like the actresses that are, are, are working today. I didn't want to cast like a supermodel, although Donna Reed's incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted an actress who can keep up. Yeah, because she's she has some great lines. Uh, Mary does. Like I love the uh, of the scene where she tells George that she's pregnant, and yeah. George is freaking out. I was like, oh, it's a, is it a boy or a girl? And she says, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's so, <laughs> we both laughed at that one. Yeah. Yep. But she's really clever. So I went with an actress who is incredibly beautiful, but I think is is thought of as being a great actress first, and that was Amy Adams. Okay, could see that. I could yeah. see that. While you were saying, you thinking of yours, I was thinking of mine at the same time. And I was, for some reason, kept going back to somebody kind of like Michelle Williams, maybe. Yeah, um, Michelle Williams would be good as well. Because she's like, she's beautiful, but she's, I think of her as a kind of a good actor rather than being beautiful. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So, George, like I said, George was tough. I, I struggled with this one. And I was like, who is an everyman actor working today? Who is of the right age? And, you know, who... Would. By the way, when you say when you say age, uh, am I supposed to believe that Jimmy Stewart just graduated from high school in yeah, this movie? That's that's a problem. <laughs> that scene's a problem. He's like, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Stewart's twenty three. That, 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 that should have been my worst. Yeah, that should have yeah, been my worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now that you mention it, the um, so I actually went with Mark Ruffalo. Okay, that's actually uh, that's a good one. He's definitely that everyday man who could snap. <laughs> yeah, he can he can snap. He. I could see him. I mean, if you, if you've seen him in spotlight, you can, you know, that scene where, you know, he's, he's sort of freaking out about, you know, this has been going, there's how many priests in the Catholic church They got away with it for how long, if he brought that same energy to like up against Potter, I think it would be incredible. So I went with Mark Ruffalo for that. Did you, did you think of anybody for, for George as I was going through it? Well, while I was while I was sort of thinking about it, and again, you know, a, a lot of actors nowadays, and even back then, they can do a lot of different things. Actors surprise you. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker. Who yeah. knew? Who would have known he would have been that good? But like, I'm thinking somebody in the lines of also like maybe Edward Norton. Um, yeah. I've seen him in I've seen him in roles where he's just like I can almost picture him in the office with the board of being like, no, 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 this is wrong. Like yeah. this, 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 and that, and then at the end going kind of crazy. Um, and then being okay again. So I think he's one of those versatile actors that could bring all those elements to the movie. But uh, I think Mark Ruffalo is really, really good as well. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. If you guys have anybody, if you think we're idiots or uh, if you have any other shouts, let us know on social media. We'd be happy to go over that, some of that next time. So, yeah, we here at The Greatest Movie of All Time recognize that not every movie can be the greatest. Only one can. We know this, but I think we also do contend that every movie can do at least one thing better than any other. So Derek, what does It's a Wonderful Life do better than any other movie? So I mentioned this before. Uh, I think a lot of movies, or, or at least a good portion of, of you know, Christmas carol type movies do this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where they kind of show you what would it be, you know, sort of thing. But I think this movie does it the best, how life would change if you hadn't been born or... Yeah. Look at look at what would happen to these people if you weren't there to give them assistance and help them throughout their lives. This is what they would turn into, and it made me think of myself. Not that not that I am George Bailey by any means, but like you know, you kind of look into yourself and you're like, what would it be like if I wasn't? Who would it affect? 
what would these people be doing? And, I, and it almost makes you think that like, if you asked George Bailey this one question, he would have been like, well, what do you mean? Uh, everybody would be doing great. Screw me, uh, so to speak. But no, no, that's not true because look at what happened. So it made me kind of think within and I was like, this movie does that really well because, um, yeah. you know, just, just from what he goes to and, and when, it, you know, when he comes back from it and he realizes that things are normal again, it's like, it's just incredible. And then, and then you see everybody who you've affected then yeah. affect you. Uh, yeah. It's incredible. So I um, I have two, and we we talked about it a bit earlier. I think this is the best example of a movie where the the hero of the movie is just a good man. And yeah, we talked about it like he does not hesitate. George does not hesitate to save a total stranger by jumping into freezing water. He you know, gives up everything in his life just to to better his and community and better his friends and his environment. And I mean, there's so few, it's, it's like him and Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a good man being a good man and getting rewarded for it. So I, I think that yeah. is the best. The other one, I'm just going to say it for me, it's the best Christmas movie because it's, it's so, it's not overtly Christmassy, although a lot of it takes place on Christmas. They, the lessons learned are about generosity and about giving and being good to the people around you and, you know, to your family and to your friends. And I think that's when you're, when you're looking for, you know, a Christmas movie, it just checks all the boxes for me. So that's what we think of the movie, but we're not the only ones that get to make a decision every year in Hollywood. They give out, golden statues of bald men called the Oscars. And it was no different here all the way back in 1947. And this movie was nominated for four Oscars. It was nominated for best picture, best director, best actor, and best editing. And so much for it being a flop. Well, financially it was not successful. And it, it, it did not win any, which is, is surprising. Mm. You know, for for a movie that you think of as a classic, you know, especially one of this genre where it's a where it's a drama, you'd think, oh, it's going to win a few awards here. Didn't win a single one. Right. And and again, at, at this point, you know, Frank Capra was on the, in the second half of his career. He was in the back nine of his career, really. And I think he his nomination almost was like a, a like like we said, almost every episode. There's a you know every year there's like a well, thanks for coming. We we like you what you did in the past. But I, right. I think it was one of those ones where, like, it was a it was a nominee that really didn't have a lot of chance of winning, and yeah, you know, same with James Stewart. He was like a big star that they nominated. It, it, this movie was not like considered one of the best of its of its time mm-hmm. at that time, and it, like we said, it's it's caught on afterwards. But let's go through the nominees. We'll go through the big ones, and I'll make it quick because I'm. You know, pretty positive that we, we haven't seen much of anything from this year. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to hear some, uh, some, some names here. So uh, Best Picture is won by The Best Years of Our Lives, which is a movie I've not seen, but is one I'm actually very interested in seeing. It's, it's a movie about PTSD, basically, in uh, okay. you know, post-World War II, which is like way early for that. And yeah. instead of hiring actors, really, like professional actors, they hired like real veterans, like amputees, 
and taught them to act. And right. this movie won Best Picture. So I've heard good things. Okay. I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that, you know, unless it's in like an incredible movie, which it very well may be, we're going to cover it on this podcast because we are going to cover every single movie ever made. But we, I'm pretty comfortable in saying It's a Wonderful Life. It's probably going to be my Best Picture winner for that year. But, you know, we, I, I, I can't say. Uh, other nominees were Henry V, The Razor's Edge, and The Yearling. Mm-hmm. Now, was, now did, did it mention that Scott Hall was in that movie, The Razor's Edge, or I wasn't sure? Yes, so uh, it is uh, Scott Hall star. No, um, no it, <laughs> it stars. It's a film based on a William uh, Somerset mom novel of the same name. Tells the story of Larry Darrell, an American pilot traumatized by his... Uh, so this is zeitgeisty here american pilot traumatized by his experiences in world war one he sets off to find meaning in life yeah so we got that so uh, best director william wyler wins for the best years of our lives again we'll cover that in a future episode uh, other nominees david lean for brief encounter frank capra as we said for it's a wonderful life robert siodmark siodmick for the killers s-i-o-d-m-a-k and clarence brown for the yearling so okay. again, sort of the same thing. I'm not familiar with any of those, uh, but we'll get to them as we go along. Best Actor, Frederick March for the Best Years of Our Lives. So this is cleaning up. Other nominees, Lawrence Olivier, Henry V as King Henry V. Larry Parks in The Jolson Story as Al Jolson. Uh, Gregory Peck in The Yearling. Weirdly as- enough, I actually yeah. brought up Al Jolson today. Really? I did. I was, uh, you know, Home Alone. We're talking about Home Alone again, me and G. Remember the... Uh, the, the old guy and the old lady who are in the airport and yeah. uh, Catherine Herbert. Yeah, he's like, she got a whole shoebox full of that dangling <laughs> ones. He's in that Seinfeld episode where Jerry, he's like, Jerry's like taking care of that guy. Yeah. And uh, and then like he's trying, he, and then Kramer steals all of his records and goes to the record store <laughs> and the guy's like, I don't want these, I don't want these. And Newman's like, what are you talking about? Al Jolson's in here. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I brought that up today, but funny that you brought that up. <laughs> Gregory Peck in the yearling is Ezra Baxter and our good pal Jimmy Stewart. In it's a wonderful life. I feel like uh, I can pretty comfortably say Jimmy Stewart should have won this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot down on that. The, the performance is is so great and so layered that uh, I, I think we can uh, we can give him the give him the Oscar. Yeah. Trying to look. I mean, again, we'll we'll go over this for posterity here, and, and when we do a, another movie from this year. But uh, best actress uh, is won by Olivia de Havilland, and. Uh, also nominated uh, is someone who is going to be referenced next week, the lady, the uh, future wife of Ronald Reagan, <laughs> Jane Wyman. Best uh, best supporting actor is Harold Russell of Best Years of Our Lives. Just cleaning up this year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is that was the movie that year. Uh, other no, uh, other nominees notable uh, to this podcast is our old buddy Claude Rains who is nominated for Notorious. And yeah, so Best Supporting Actor and Baxter for The Razor's Edge. So, so, again, so, so nothing nothing for the supporting actor or actress category well, who would, for this movie? Well, yeah, no, they didn't. I mean, I would say if we're going to put, you know, if we're going to put in one, like who would be Best Supporting Actor? Like I, I, Best Supporting Actor? Um, I mean, it's definitely tough. I was just wondering. I mean, yeah. I guess you could maybe do Potter if you wanted to. Yeah, but um, I, I, again, there's not much range in that performance. I love it. He's yeah, so good true. at what he does. It's you yeah. know similar. Yeah, you know, similar. I think in 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 some ways we talked about with Home Alone last week. 
where he's just in one mode the whole movie and he's so good at it, but there's no range necessarily to it. He's just a scumbag right. the whole time. I mean, we could make the case for, for Donna Reed for best actress, I think. I think she'd be under best actress. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the one that I was going to talk about. Is, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the same thing could be said for her, though, too, is that she's maybe almost sort of one note the whole movie, except for the times when Jimmy Stewart's reacting to something. Yeah. Um, but you know, well, I think she does maybe. like the it's almost like the rom com scene, like we talked about at the beginning when they're walking home. She, yeah, she's yeah. oh, she has that great line. She's very sarcastic. She's funny. I I do want to shout out the line where where George goes to Mary's house and her mother is like shouting down to her and like spying on her. And yes, she's like, what yes. is George Bailey doing here? And she's like, he's making violent love to me, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Gia cracked up when she said that. I was surprised that she said that in the movie. Violent love. He's making violent love to me, mother. Oh god, that's so funny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's the I mean that's the that's the Oscars that year. We're gonna you know, as we said as we go along, we're gonna put a pin in Donna Reed's performance here in the Oscars this year because we're gonna talk about uh we're gonna talk about these other movies eventually because you know, as we said, every single movie ever made. So we'll, we'll ever ever every single one. Okay, so now we come to the most important part of the podcast, and that is when we put 30 seconds on the clock, and our good friend Derek Smith is going to describe and tell us why It's a Wonderful Life is the greatest movie of all time. It's the reason why we're here to begin with, and if we ever didn't record this, it would be just an entire waste of a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put 30 seconds on the clock i'm gonna count you down and then you go when i say go ready three two one go this christmas season your heart will be captured by jimmy stewart and donna reed in it's a wonderful life it's a movie that has tears and joy and humor and all the love you'd ever want for the christmas season so do yourself a favor shut the lights off make some popcorn Drink some cocoa. Watch It's a Wonderful Life. You won't be sorry. All right, great. You did it in 26 seconds, Derek. Excellent job, as always. So, yeah, I mean, that's that about does it for, for today's episode. And I do want to take a moment, since this is our last episode uh, of the year, to uh, to thank everybody for listening. You know, we, we hope you really enjoyed it. We're having fun doing the show. And uh, we hope you stick with us going forward. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that is uh, going to do it for this week's episode. Let us know what you think. Like I said, follow us on social media, and we have a lot of great stuff going. But let's turn our eye towards next week and also towards 1955, because next week's episode, and also 1985, because if you haven't picked up on it yet, next week, no longer going to be talking about a classic movie. We're going to have a guest. And I shouldn't say next week because we are taking a little bit of a break for the holiday. But next time. Yes. Next time, we're going to have a very special guest, and his name is Chris Bonapani. And he has chosen for his episode, his first episode, Back to the Future. Derek, are you excited for Back to the Future? I'm excited to bring on another fellow Ginzo, and I'm excited to bring on this Back, this back to the Future movie is, is classic. I can't wait that's right it's it's one of my favorite movies 
and it's going to be a really fun discussion. We hope you join us then, and we hope you join us for all of our episodes in the future and in the past. Get your DeLorean. Go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes as well. So for the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Derek Smith, a.k.a. Rick. And remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>